Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be continuing our study in the Life of Jesus series. And today we're going to be talking about putting new wine into new bottles. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. We'll be covering verses 33 and 39. This is continuing on in the teaching and the ministering of the Lord Jesus. He's beginning to run into some confrontations now with the Sanhedrin, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But what Jesus says today and what we're going to learn today, what we're going to study today, speaks directly to this age and this hour of the church and the new covenant. Praise God. And so we're going to break this parable down and we're going to see how that you and I, amen, are recipients of the new wine and we have been made the new bottles. Praise God. Amen. But let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the new wine today. We thank you, Father God, that you have prepared us to be new bottles, to receive the new wine. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, we just give you praise and honor and glory. Now, Father, the anointing is in your word. So, Father, when your word is spoken, Lord, we say your word and we speak your word with authority and power. And, Father, we command the spirits of this world that they must obey. And, Father, we thank you today as we meditate upon your word. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that comes upon it. And upon your word, Father God, and upon our lives, and we give you praise and honor and glory for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, we're in Luke chapter 5, and we're beginning in verse 33. Let's just go ahead and read this entire section. And notice now, uh, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they said unto Jesus, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said unto them, can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then shall they fast in those days. Now, we know from the scriptures that we are to fast. Amen. That should be a part of our devotional life. And it's certainly scriptural to do so. But we are not to fast just to fast to obey a religious ordinance. What we do, we do in faith. Amen. We do as a matter of consecration, as a matter of humility. As a matter of fact, to define fasting is just simply this, to abstain from food or drink for spiritual purposes. Amen. And so fasting is an act of the will. It's an act of consecration to humble ourselves before God. And the greatest example, I think, of this, or one of the greatest examples of this, would be in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, in the, the life and the reign of Jehoshaphat, when a army was coming against him that 
He had no natural means to defend against or to have victory. And so what did he do? He, he looked around. He saw that there was no hope horizontally, so he looked vertically. And I'm so glad that we have men of God uh, in public places, in public office, who, when faced with tr- things that they cannot humanly overcome, they look up. Amen. They don't look down in despair. They look up in hope because they know their Redeemer lives. Amen. Praise God. So Jehoshaphat looked up and he prayed a very scriptural prayer. Uh, he sp- spake in the beginning of his prayer what God had spoken, what the covenant had spoken. And then he began to petition God on behalf of that host that was coming up against them, that they were not God's people, that they were against God. And in the meantime, he had called a fast, a three-day fast, and he put on sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of humility and consecration. And exactly what happened that day is after he had prayed and after he had fasted, uh, God spoke through a prophet and told him that this battle is not theirs but his, that he was going to fight for his people. And so Jehoshaphat was so convinced, he had so faith in God that in the morning when he uh, brought his armies out to face the enemy, he sent out, instead of sending out the chariots, sending out the heavy cavalry, he sent out the praisers. And as they began to praise and they began to sing about the mercy of God and began to praise God, God so moved amongst the enemy hosts that they began to fight one another and they wound up destroying one another. And all Jehoshaphat had to do was go to the battlefield and pick up the spoil. And the scripture says that he was three days in carrying uh, the spoil. And so that is so significant because Jesus was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so that we can assume there by type and shadow, that's exactly what Jesus did in between the cross and the throne, that he was gathering up the spoil of victory, praise God, that uh, demons were not tormenting him and dancing upon his body, that Jesus was not being eaten up of worms for three days and three nights. No, praise God, he was gathering up the spoil, praise God, and he was raising up a heavenly host. Glory to God, amen, praise God. And so fasting is important, and we should do that. Amen. We should follow the Lord. Now, the greatest example that uh, we find in the New Testament concerning fasting is Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He set the example for us. Amen. Now, there's a few that have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And once again, that's not something we recommend. But we do recommend following the example of the Lord Jesus. Amen. If Jesus fasted, then we should fast. You know, intermittent fasting is good for the spirit. It's also good for the physical body. To go on a fast, a partial fast, a fast for a moment of time, amen, just to consecrate ourselves, to humble ourselves, amen, praise God, uh, to just uh, reveal and to submit ourselves to God because he is Lord of all, is he not? Praise God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. 
And notice that uh, that Jesus says here concerning fasting, he said, can you make the children of the bride, bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? Amen. The answer is no. As long as the bridegroom is feasting, amen, the children of the bride chamber are going to feast also. But notice Jesus says, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. So this is the day and the hour that the bridegroom has been taken from us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Amen. He's told the the disciples that. He told the apostles that in John chapter 14. Amen. He told them not to be troubled. Amen. Not to be afraid. You know, he's going to prepare a place for us. And when he comes, he'll come again to receive us unto himself and we'll be with him forever. Praise God. Amen. So we're in that time of intermittent fasting. We're in that time of consecration. We're in that time uh, today of fulfilling the will and the purpose and the plan of God that he has for us. Amen. But there's coming a time when he will return. Amen. And so that time of fasting will be over. We'll enter into that time of feasting. We'll be in the presence of the Lord and we'll enjoy his presence forever evermore. But that time is not yet. Amen. So uh, it is good to fast. It is good to humble ourselves. It is good to consecrate ourselves to serve God. Amen. You remember that Daniel, Daniel was so troubled about the nation of Israel that he set aside three weeks Amen. He said, well, actually, he set aside a time of fasting and of prayer. Amen. There's, he went on a far, partial fast. There's certain foods that he would not eat. Uh, he would not drink wine, praise God. And so at the end of three weeks, he got his answer. After he prayed the tremendous prayer of, of asking God for forgiveness for his nation, uh, for consecration and imploring God to hear and to answer, God brought forth the answer through the angel and told him exactly what was going to take place, exactly what would happen to the nation of Israel in the future, praise God. So we do know that when we couple fasting with praying, amen, that it's a powerful, powerful thing, and it's a powerful reality, amen. It's not something that we do in theory. It's something that we do in reality. So fasting is a Bible fact, and we should do that, praise God, amen. Now, Jesus goes on and he talks about putting new wine into new bottles. Now, the occasion of this parable has to do with the old versus the new. And you remember that the disciples of John and the Pharisees, they came and they asked why, you know, they fast, but his disciples were not fasting. So it was an an old religious tradition that uh, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were observing, but the disciples of the Lord Jesus were not. Amen. And so Jesus gives an example here that brings us into our day and into our hour, praise God, that there was the old, but now there is the new. So putting new wine into new bottles is very significant for us today. So let's look at verse 36. Notice Jesus said, and he spake also a parable unto them. This is Luke's record. And Jesus says this, no man puts a piece of a new garment 
upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new makes a rent and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. Now, this is very significant here because what Jesus is talking about is an old garment that needs to be thrown away. And rather than throw the old garment away and rather of it passing away, it's kept and new fabric is attempted to be placed as a patch upon the old. Now, you know as well as I do, that's not going to work because the old has already been worn out. Its fibers have already gotten old. Uh, The fibers break. They tear easy. And so taking a new garment a piece of a new garment and attempting to patch it upon the old garment is not going to uh, allow the old garment to continue uh, as long as if just throwing the old away and buying a new. Amen. And so what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about the old covenant as opposed to the new covenant. Now, let's read this verse of scripture again. No man puts a piece of a new garment upon an old. Think about if you took a garment to be repaired and you took it to a seamstress and that seamstress, all she did was take a piece of new garment and patch it on the old and give it back to you. You wouldn't want that. You would not wear it and you certainly wouldn't pay for the repair. Amen. Matter of fact, you'd probably get a little disgusted with the seamstress. Amen. And so God is not going to take something new and try to attach it to an old garment. He's just not going to do it. Amen. The old garment is going to be thrown out and a completely new garment is going to take its place. And see, once again, notice what Jesus says. No man puts a piece of a new garment upon an old one. If otherwise, then both the new makes a rent. In other words, the new is going to continue to separate. It's going to continue to tear. Amen. Makes a rent and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. Now, the word agree here comes from the Greek word symphonio, and it means to agree together in making a bargain. Amen. See, can two walk together unless they be agreed? The only way that this garment is going to be made is going to be is going to be restored or is going to be. um, Let me go ahead and say it this way. The only way that this new covenant with Christ is going to work is if the old is thrown out and the new is made in its place. Amen. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Let's read it again. No man puts a a piece of new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new makes a rent and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. Amen. The old. Amen. Has been replaced by the new. That's the only way it can be. And let me go ahead and say this. God is not going to place his spirit upon an old sinner. Amen. Christ is going to put new wine into new bottles. He's going to clothe that old sinner through repentance and through confession of sin with a brand new garment. Amen. Praise God. And that is so very important for us to understand today. Amen. As a matter of fact, 
what the Apostle Paul wrote is very similar. And actually, it speaks to us today of what Jesus is talking about, putting new wine into new bottles. Notice, this is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 20. Well, let's go back up to verse 17. Notice Jesus, I mean, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. They're walking because they have old garments on. Amen. That's very important. Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. We're speaking about a sinner who needs to find Christ as Savior and Lord. He needs to become a born-again child of God. It's impossible for him to do that in that condition. But notice that uh, verse 19, Paul says this, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But now look at verse 20. Notice what Paul says. He's speaking to the church now. He's speaking to representatives of the new covenant. He's speaking to born again people. And he says this, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off. Believers are to put something off that you are to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And then verse 23, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. That's the work that God is doing in your heart today. And verse 24 says, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. Praise God. And then Paul goes on and says, since that is true, then you put away the things of the flesh. Amen. So we are born again. That happens in a moment of time. We hear the gospel preached. The Holy Spirit opens up our heart, begins to convict us of our sin. We yield to that conviction. Uh, we bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we repent of sin. We turn. Amen. We turn and we repent of sin and we come to Jesus. We allow his spirit to draw us uh, to the Lord Jesus. We confess him as Lord and Savior. And in response to our faith, and our earnest crying and prayer that God comes in and makes us a brand new person inside. That's what the new birth is. Praise God. And then God separates us in a moment of time. He separates us. He translates, translates us out from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And we become a brand new person inside. And so then we begin to conform our mind and our outer man, amen, out of the image of the world into the image of the new world, the new kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we reach forward unto spiritual maturity. Praise God. 
And so we do this as an act of consecration every day. And this is like a fast that we enjoin. Amen. And then going back to Isaiah, notice what Isaiah says here. And he's going back and he's talking about the fast that God has chosen. Notice what he says. And I'm reading out of Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, Isaiah begins here. He says, is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? And in an acceptable date, acceptable day to the Lord. So what Israel was doing, see, they were fasting just as a duty, just as a responsibility, but there was no change in their heart and in their life. Amen. Fasting should change us just like prayer changes us. Now, Isaiah goes on and he says this. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens? to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then if you do this, if you enter in this kind of fast, this is talking about a fast of the heart, the fast for doing that which God has commanded. Then Isaiah says this, your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall bring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of Lord, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Amen. In other words, revival will be experienced personally and corporately. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about the new garment and the old garment. The old garment is not going to make any kind of a change, not going to change society, not going to change the world. Amen. As a matter of fact, the old garment has become part of the world. The new garment of the new covenant is that which God has enjoined through Christ Jesus, through his precious blood and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The new garment is what's going to make a new change. The new covenant is going to make a new change in this world. It's going to change this world. And that's exactly what the church has done for the last 2000 years. We have changed this world. Amen. Now, I know that there still is evil in this world. There still is the activity of Satan. Satan is still loose. Amen. But his victory was deprived when Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus breathed upon the disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit in power on the day of Pentecost and birthed the church from that point onward, the church has always been victorious and the church will always continue to be victorious up until the very moment that Jesus returns and catches the church away. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So you, as a born again believer in Christ Jesus, you have on this new garment. Amen. And God has called you to make an effect in this world. And of course, you have done that. Amen. 
Now, you may think you haven't done as much as you think, but I'm telling you today that you are part of this new covenant. You are part of this thing called the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. And so continuing on now, Jesus uses another example in this parable in verse 37. Notice he says, and no man puts new wine into old bottles else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled and the bottle shall perish. So Jesus, what Jesus is saying here is that this new covenant has to have a new receptacle. It's got to have something new. I can't take this new wine and put it into old bottles because the old bottles are going to burst. What I have to do is I have to take this new wine of the new covenant, the new wine of people being born again and infused with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. And become new creatures in Christ Jesus. I've got to pour this new wine of the Holy Spirit into new bottles. Praise God. And then he says this in verse 38. He says, but new wine must got to be put into new bottles. And that way both are preserved. See, God is in the preservation of the saints. He is in the preservation of the saints. So let's go back now to verse 37. No man puts new wine into old bottles. So the new wine here Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit that is going to become the new dispensation, part of the new dispensation of the new covenant. Amen. Right now, we're in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Amen. And so Jesus also says this. He says, old bottles represent what? The old man, the old covenant, the old godless, sinful nature. And there's no way that God can put the wine of the Holy Spirit into an old sinner. Or else what Paul said concerning that when we were in the world, we were without hope, hopeless and without God, godless would not be true. But yet it is true. In order for us to receive the new wine of the Holy Spirit, we have to be made new. God pours us the new man, gives us the new man and pours the new wine into the new man. Praise God. Or I tell you, Jesus, I mean, the apostle Paul. He described it uh, in this way when he was talking about uh, the new birth. Notice what uh, the Apostle Paul writes. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning way up in verse, uh, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, he's a new bottle. Praise God. He's a new receptacle, ready to receive the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. Not just having the Holy Spirit upon him, but actually having the Holy Spirit in him. Praise God. See, this is the distinction of the New Testament as opposed to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon individuals. But now, everyone who is a member of the New Covenant not only has the Holy Spirit within him, but also has the Holy Spirit upon him. Praise God. And then uh, 
Paul goes on and writes, he says this, he says, now all things are of God who through who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then down in verse 20, he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be made for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then, of course, verse 39, Jesus says this, No man, having drunk old wine, straightway desires the new, for he saith the old is better. What Jesus is saying here is that those who prefer the old are not going to want the new. And he was speaking specifically of the Pharisees, amen, who were disputing with Jesus. He says they love the old wine, they're not willing to take the new. In other words, a man who prefers the old will never get born again. There has to be a change. And that change has to take place. And that change is called the new birth. Are you born again today? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you received the new wine today? I hope you have. And I pray that you do. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name as we close out this program today. Speak to the hearts and lives of individuals. If they have not made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ, may they do so now by repenting and asking Christ to come into their heart and life and to be born again. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.